Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm Michael Tabor. And Michael, this week we have a very special guest who is joining us once again. Two-time returning champion of the podcast, Grift. Welcome back to the program. Uh, thank you guys again for having me. Uh, you know, just showed up to collect my uh, two-time challenge coin. Uh, I've been, right, been, been dabbling in a little bit of crypto lately, so I'm, I've got coins <laughs> on the brain. And with uh, GameStop just shot up to almost $200 again after hours today. So oh, hell we're, yeah. we're back back in the stocks mania over here at the, the Grift Shop. <laughs> hey, Full stonk cast. For the third yeah. episode, we are going to launch the Grift x shitty christians coin and yep. i'm pretty excited for our own crypto that's gonna be a it's gonna be a good grift for us oh hell yeah there, there's nothing like pointlessly squandering limited energy resources in a growing climate crisis uh, for grift purposes i'm always <laughs> here for that yeah that is a grift we always respect absolutely <laughs> uh for listeners who might not be aware grift joined us the first time to do sort of a deep dive into QAnon. Mm-hmm. uh we went places with that sort of looked at uh how it has grown how it had uh sort of why Q has infiltrated every single church in America yes. and turned them all into sleeper cells. Uh, and it was a really good time. But at, towards the end of that episode, we we had brought up something that had just come out then. And I got to say, like, has been living in my brain ever since. <laughs> and that is, of course, the seminal piece of Aaron Sorkin courtroom drama, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Ooh. <laughs> uh, we can, in fact, handle the truth. <laughs> uh, I Clearly, we can. <laughs> uh, so I'm really excited to get into this movie because it has just uh, managed to trip my rage button so many times. Uh, genuinely. Ne- never happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing else that we have researched for this podcast has ever done that. <laughs> But, uh, but I'm excited to get into it. So I guess I'll just open it up by giving a brief rundown of the plot. And then we'll get into, uh, you know, all the things we loved about about this film. <laughs> I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time on that section of this podcast. <laughs> uh, but for those of you who are blessedly unfamiliar, The Trial of the Chicago 7 is a based loosely on a true story tale of eight people who were arrested at the 1968 uh, or were arrested for their participation in protests at the 1968 Democratic Convention. They were there to protest Hubert Humphrey uh, for the Democratic nomination. And uh, the response to that was uh, Mayor Daley and a bunch of Chicago PD uh, beating the ever-loving shit out of all of the protesters repeatedly. Uh, And so, like, six months after that, uh, Nixon gets elected his attorney general and Nixon decide that they are going to go after these bad mofos who started this here riot. And, uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, uh, principled Republican himself, uh, losing my spot. Aaron Sorkin. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. So six months later, Mr. Principled Republican, Richard Schultz is tasked by the attorney general to bring these people to bear, uh, which goes on to become a multi-month long show trial featuring uh, a lot of interesting things that Aaron Sorkin doesn't bother putting on screen. (laughs) (laughs) But what we do get is a series of Sorkin-esque monologues about the nature of politics, the importance of cultural revolution over material conditions, and how, uh, you know, good Republicans are really here for us at the end of the day to stand up for democracy. Uh, so, guys, before we get into uh, the politics of this film, is there anything you enjoyed about it? Grift, let's give Grift the floor. Grift, sure. you love Aaron Sorkin. You're a noted Sorkinite. <laughs> on your oh, Twitter, my, ab- 
<laughs> my, my my absolute favorite uh writer working in hollywood uh, no it, it's 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 sort of funny i so i never watched the west wing back in the day i it, mm-hmm. like o- over quarantine i kind of checked it out a little bit because i wanted to see what so many podcasts were, were ripping on so i, I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to get it get Excuse a me, sense sir, of... we, are, we are in fiercely original material here covering <laughs> aaron sorkin on the leftist podcast yeah yeah we we are breaking new ground uh, that's right <laughs> just, I mean, yeah, you actually yeah. could do a really good episode where you said you were a leftist podcast being like Aaron's treating him like a fellow leftist <laughs> like, yeah. look at this revolutionary text all right okay go ahead Chris. that would that would be a good bit uh, but actually so my uh, probably my biggest introductions originally to Aaron Sorkin were uh the social network movie mm-hmm. which uh I remember yep. that came out in high school and that was like it's kind of funny looking back because that was a big hit among like among like me and my friends i remember we were like looking forward to seeing it, it was like oh like david fincher mm-hmm. it's like oh this you know sorkin had the reputation as the writer um and then it was you know that classic like uh like outsider bro uh uh narrative and even though that uh, kind of portrayed an asshole you were still kind of rooting for him because you were sort of mm-hmm. in like your toxic high school phase a bit um and then <laughs> and then and then uh the the newsroom came out in college and i remember like watching i remember watching that with my girlfriend in college i remember watching that with like other lib friends and like we were we were super into it because like that was you know like i was i was studying political science in college so i was i still had that total lib brain going on and just watching oh yeah it's uh, mandatory at that point you have oh absolutely yeah no i i studied in in the bellow in in, like the belly of like the neoliberal beast there um i wouldn't know anything about that um but yeah so i but i remember that was like it was fun to watch uh you know that that will mcavoy character do his epic owns of republicans and sort of get the um sort of live vicariously through that while the the right was just um opposing and like successfully opposing the obama administration every turn just getting every single Mm. like real world political victory um which i think speaks to the the impotence of his worldview and of that particular piece of media um Mm -hmm. but um so yeah so like sorry sorry for the long intro but i just sort of wanted to give my background on sorkin exposure yeah the newsroom's a pet obsession of mine it's such a weird premise like uh without getting too much like we work in media and like the idea of making a show about two years in the past about the news so you can like dunk on like the current takes and be like this is actually what should have happened helmed by a centrist republican like who's a reporter (laughs) who then yells at young people like it's just such an odd piece of writing actually the opening scene uh, of the newsroom where he is just yelling at a a room full of college kids about how america sucks is like just burned in my brain in part because a close friend of mine uh who we will not out on this podcast uh showed it to me like with such passion he's like you have to watch this scene and this was like i had just been left-pilled enough to be like oh okay (laughs) it's it's funny because like yeah he's in that scene he's saying that america currently sucks but that scene literally taken within a contemporary context is like make america great again from oh, yeah. like a centrist uh republican you know like the like this sort of like neo-libcon perspective yeah Dave, um, the david it's a david brooks article in miniature oh. yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah charter schools will save us yeah <laughs> yeah we are we are 50th ronald reagan, education ronald reagan because... was a great man <laughs> <laughs> We are 50th in education because we need more charter schools. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, 
So yeah, just to get back to like what I the aspects mm-hmm. of this that I actually liked. Um, I liked how they actually show this the a pretty brutal um, depiction of the way the police attacked the protesters. Uh, they yeah. they I thought they did a good job, you know, showing that they had pretty much baseball bats and they were beating the shit out of people in the head, like you know, bloody heads, uh, you know, just cr- like cracking limbs. It was like they they didn't pull back from that as much as I thought they would. So I, I appreciated that description, you know, that 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 depiction of the of the um, sort of police violence that we're obviously still dealing with in this day and age. Yeah, and I, I think they also intercut some scenes of, like, the actual documentary footage, which, you know, hardly an original thing, but very effective, you know, when you're seeing uh, the reality of this right next to the dramatization. It's a nice and, edit job. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think there's something there to like. Zach, anything that stood out to you? I mean, like... <sighs> wow. Okay. No, okay. <laughs> okay, so not to crib on both of I mean, I mean, uh, I, the acting is great. You and I both talked about this, yeah, Michael. Yeah. Like, uh, the cast is fucking phenomenal. Jeremy, I, I, I talked about this. I just want to watch a movie where Sasha Baron Cohen and Jeremy Strong are just like riffing and just hanging out and doing drugs and like having hair. Like, that's like I want that movie to exist. Like, it is. There's some likable moments. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Is like there's some fun character beats. There's there's a few snappy lines. There's some good jokes. Yeah, many of the snappiest lines are the parts that were cribbed from the actual trial right, transcripts. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, there's some good lines. I agree. The cast was insane. Um, I we stand we stand a Jeremy Strong every time. Oh, dude. Uh, I just I need I need I need to uh, watch every season of Succession before I watch anything else he's in just to <laughs> just to level myself up. My number one boy every That's time. That's right. Uh, uh, you know I. I got, and it just like you know what it has that I kind of also enjoy because I'm a sap and because of when I came of age like that late 90s early aughts like glow to it like like the swelling mm. music the sort of like the way it's shot is like in these like wide frames with this kind of like golden tint to like a lot of the, the it just it felt very comforting in the way that lib comfort food tends to be comforting mm. it's like, yeah. the good guys are going to win this is remember the titans ass shit <laughs> it, it does have some remember the titans energy i uh i i will say for me that i had the opposite reaction of just feeling <laughs> like this whole thing existed in this uncanny like sorkin brain space that i just i really didn't like the artifice involved in mm. this movie uh, because they uh, like the actual reality is so much more compelling and disturbing than what ends up getting portrayed. That like bathing everything in golden sunshine really cut against. I'm, g- the I'm gonna make slight fun of you here though. Yeah. We're, we we can't even talk about what we like in this movie without you talking yeah. about what you don't <laughs> like about this movie. Listen, I'm an asshole. This is not new information. <laughs> anything else? Anything else you like, Rift? Uh, you know, like I I think um uh we're we're like. Uh, Michael and I were talking about this a little bit uh, pre-recording, but it's like, you know, Sorkin is a competent writer and he can stage scenes and get that stirring mm. music and dialogue going, like you were saying. So it was it was a sort of, it, it was a effective piece of entertainment if you take it in a political vacuum. Uh, so yeah. you, you, it was it was that constant struggle between yeah. being outraged at the, the, the obvious angles and, and bad faith representation of certain aspects of it, but then feeling yourself sucked into the sort of uh, the, the 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 movie magic that can happens when you have someone who can write good dialogue like Sorkin objectively can, um, but yeah, so there's that sort of like tug and tug and pull between between um, trying to trying to reel yourself back from getting sucked into the spectacle that it creates. Mm, mm. 
I am going to have to cancel you now, Griff, for saying Sorkin can write good dialogue. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, okay. Okay, it's it's not it's not realistic dialogue, it, but no. I don't know. It's 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 it's, it's snappy. snappy. It's snappy. You know? No, I yeah. mean Sorkin can write. Like I, I think he writes like one thing, but yeah. that thing is pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I think like, that thing is intermittently good. Those speeches, though, they sometimes they they land and sometimes they definitely do yeah. not. I'm doing it again. God damn yes, it! You can't. <laughs> he just Michael can't give Sorkin. Not give Sorkin an I inch. do. There is there is probably no media figure that I hate more. Like I would much rather write, uh, watch some like true right wing reactionary like dragged across concrete shit than like watch a Sorkin picture. I just he he irks me so much. But I agree. He is part of that is because he has talents. There, I said it. Are you fuckers happy? <laughs> Scott's so contentious. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's let's get into the other half of this, since clearly that's where I already am. Uh, guys, <laughs> we'll, we'll start with you, Grift. Uh, things we did not like. Maybe, like, specific film elements before we get deep into the philosophy of this. But, like, things that were handled poorly. Um, just... For, for me, just straight off, uh, the blatant misrepresentation of events as they occurred. Um, not, like... he, But because the, 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 the trial was... The, the, the spectacle that it created was ready-made for movies, but I feel like Sorkin uh, sort of um, chickened out on a lot of aspects of it. Like, when the Bobby Seal character was uh, gagged and bound to, to silence him in the court, apparently in, in what happened in real life, he uh, escaped from his restraints, and yes. they were, like, unable to, to, to keep oh him silent. God. Yeah, and and when when the movie presents him as this you know badass defiant black man telling the obviously racist court you know you know what the what the business is and you know how he's how he's not gonna take their shit they gag and bound him and then he's shut up he, and that just is a, a straight up um, denial of what really happened in in the actual trial so that was you know, like it's it's sort of offensive when they want to create mm -hmm. this mo this epic badass moment for the black character to to overcome the the racist environment when he's in when in truth the reality of what happened in the situation was even more awesome and like why yeah, not just not, represent that how do you not have that moment in there like how fucking metal is that yeah no and and i think that's that's a good lead into just like generally the way Pop bobby seal is treated in this movie uh, up into and including the fact that bobby seal is still alive and was not in any way consulted for this picture like <laughs> of course fucking crazy i think they spoke to one of the like still living members of the seven and the, and called it good which Jesus is fucking Christ. wild like he literally wrote a book about his experiences here uh they didn't uh as you said like he got free at one point he also yelled at a guard to uh keep his hands off his testicles which is a very good line and should have been in there uh and, and in general like i i just the thing that really got me about that bobby seal portrayal is not only is he effectively bound and gagged uh but in reality, that went on for days. Like, they had him mm -hmm. in restraints, progressively more intense restraints, for a period of days. And in this movie, it's about five minutes, and then Bobby Seale is saved by the principled Republican prosecutor, who goes up and is just like, this is too far, this isn't Democratic. Guys, we, we gotta declare a mistrial. A cadre of four white men save him from being gagged. That's, uh, that's not a great look. Which 
just didn't happen. He was in there for days, and that prosecutor was 100% on board with that. So, you know, this is a whole other character that we can talk about. But, yeah, the fact that, like, he couldn't even let this act of, like, gross racial injustice uh, play out without needing a Republican to be the hero in the situation really speaks to the ways in which, like, Sorkin is obsessed with both sides having good people at all times. Yeah, and also just the the depiction of the Black Panthers, like Fred Hampton, who were mm-hmm. there to support Bobby Seale, basically as cartoon characters. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. they were, you know, dressed up in, in the full stereotypical regalia with the black berets and, and leather vests and stuff. But they didn't really do much and, and have much to say. They were just, yeah, they were, they were just like sort of like superhero figures there, um, just not just like sort of represented not as people, but as like, you know, just so these, this... these, these stock figures. And, and uh, again, yet yet another very insulting element of it. Yeah. Oh, so this is embarrassing, Griff, for you. I'm sorry. Uh, Sorkin thought he was writing for the Disney franchise Black Panther when he, <laughs> he put these characters in there. And I, I thought you would know that. There like, I'm a, sorry. <laughs> I swear to God, there was a Wakanda salute in the earlier like <laughs> versions of this script. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really dropped the ball and not picking that up, guys. I'm yeah, I mean, it was right. It, it was it was it was right there. Zach, um, what uh what sticks out to you? Let's keep this roundtable. So going. like, okay, without getting all the way into just the ideology of it, I think. I think, like, as someone who has, like, uh, a vested interest in film, I think it's so weird. Abby Hoffman's final speech ends with him being, like, uh, just saying, return, not answering a question. The guy's asking him if he came to, like, fuck up some cops or inside a riot or whatever. And he's like, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know, you know, I'd never been asked about my thoughts before. And then it does this super awkward fade that's kind of long some strange music and then comes back to the same scene but the but the cross-examining is done like the scene wasn't finished it's a slow cut to black it's really weird and he didn't answer the question and i was so confused i went back to make sure i didn't accidentally like skip something it was just like a really poor choice of like writing and 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 dramaturgy like it was just very odd and and i just i don't know how that happened yeah it that that Told, like now I'd totally forgotten about that but now that you bring it up that was like very incongruous and didn't and didn't fit with any of the other editing choices of the movie so far so yeah. it, 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 it it felt like both this like line break moment in the middle of a scene when you were expecting him to, to, to give an answer it almost was like it was it was this cop out and it felt like very like unfinished and and uh, unpolished in a way that the rest of the movie didn't yeah, cop out's a good word for it. It's just like what? Like I wasn't done with that. You you raised a question. You need to answer it. Yeah, cop Zachary, out. Zachary, you never answer cop my out. questions. <laughs> cop you know, out I mean, is I'll... definitely a good way to put it. Yeah, yep, there yeah. you go. It's also too long. Like the movie is just kind of like pokey, and, and like there's just not, and, and and there's not even enough like real conflict. The, like he's a good writer in the sense that like he understands there is conflict in every scene. There is tension in most scenes, and blah blah blah. But there's like not a real conflict between them. It, it ends up feeling like very procedural. When like, and you know in real life that it was a lot more elemental, but it's a lot more of like people sort of hedging. Like, I know you're a good guy, but like that is constantly said in this movie. And that's actually just makes for kind of watery writing at times. 
Well, yeah, and I think when we're talking about, because there's several groups of leftists portrayed in this movie, just mm -hmm. to be clear, you have like Rennie Davis and Tom Hayden, who were the students for the Democratic Society. You have the Yippies, uh, Jerry Rubin and Abby Hoffman, who were portrayed by Sasha Baron Cohen and Jeremy Strong, uh, who fucking kill it. And they're, they're basically <laughs> bringing in the Chapo element to this. Like they, they are, for all intents and purposes, podcasters. Like they're yeah. literally doing stand up through half the trial. Oh my uh, God, and then you are. have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have Bobby Seale, who we mentioned, chairman of the Black Panther Party, and David Dellinger, who's this sort of like long term, had been doing this a lot longer than the rest of them, and was like a full pacifist. We'll get to his portrayal in this movie because so that's, that's very one of my, frustrating. My moments, uh, but and so they try to portray this like leftist conflict about how we do things and i'm sure we'll get into it more later but there's this whole debate about cultural revolution versus actual or political revolution uh but it never really holds any water because none of these guys ever espouse any ideologies beyond vietnam is bad because my friends specifically are being sent there to die and the Sorkin is very intentional about how he limits the critique of vietnam to like them being like it's about the American soldiers that are going over there and being killed, which is a legitimate critique, yeah. but like yeah. not at all what these people were actually about. Or at least, you know, that was one part of it, but you know, there's a, I don't know if we want to get into it now, but the ending of this movie very much obfuscates the actual thing that these people cared about, which was not just American lives being lost, but Vietnamese lives too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And these guys, yeah. Um, you just, could just, never just, identify them as socialists because they never say anything socialist. The only thing that they say is war bad, which, again, is the libification of people that, at least at the time, were genuinely trying to do foment, you know, a, a genuine leftist movement. Yeah, like they don't they're what these, you know, supposed revolutionary leaders that they portray in the movie in, in the movie. Uh, they never espouse anything related to like material reality at all. It's just Thank ever. You. Yeah, Thank ever. You. Not not. No, yeah. Like you said, no ideology, no um, recognition of people's material reality beyond um, you know, poor people are being sent to die in Vietnam. And that isn't even explicated either, that the people that were being drawn from the draft were um, were the vast majority, um, you know, working class and POC people. Uh, but I, th I th think you, you, you mentioned the end there, and I think, you know, I might, you know, might, might yeah, as well let's get, get, in, into it. Get, get into it there, because um, you, you mentioned the, the, the final stirring speech of the movie is when Tom Hayden reads into the record, where, you know, like as a, as a statement before sentencing, um, that, you know, he could use as, as an opportunity to say something respectful and and uh, to, to, to defer to the court's authority. And that might affect their the, the, the leniency of their sentencing. Uh, but instead, in the movie, he chooses to read a list of all the uh, names of people who have died in Vietnam since the trial started. And, um, you know, it's about he says about like forty five hundred names or whatever. And that I, I don't think that actually happened. Like I, I, was, I was looking at the the. Um, you know, uh, some stuff about like what actually happened during the trial, and uh, Hayden never um, was was never testified. <laughs> he never. <Yeah. laughs> so like that speech could not have happened if if that was the case. And it's presented as this like uh, as as the climax of the movie is a stirring moment that wins the people over to their side. And it's it's. Um, very, it's the the focus of it is very narrow and limited to just the American soldiers who have died. When obviously, what however 
however much you think about, you know, what on on what level the spectrum the '60s New Left movements were from, you know, like a like a purely cultural thing to a purely material thing on the other side, they definitely cared about like the the two to four million million Vietnamese people who were straight up genocided in this conflict. So, like, yeah. to yeah, this was the moment that unfounded my mind where like brain fluid was just leaking out of my fucking skull i could not believe that he chose to end his leftist protest movie with a fucking salute the troops moment well and in real life the the guy who the guy did actually keep a journal of all the soldiers who died but he also kept alongside of that in the same fucking journal all the vietnamese who died as well that is a matter of historical fucking record and to just delete the vietnamese out i mean chapo said this better but like it's so disrespectful it's basically saying their deaths don't matter to you aaron sorkin Th- that's and, and and that's pretty much just the the, the liberal perspective on these th- things you know they they you know they may uh be not quite as hawkish as as the the neocons at least these days but now with the you know return of the biden administration and a sort of more um uh you know like i i i guess uh return to a more hawkish foreign policy i I don't think anything has changed and it's just very telling that the um you know you know liberals with the most power in in culture and the ability to project these these um you know these cultural products onto us have this perspective and just like you know don't see the vietnamese as people they're they're invisible this got me really bummed out i was like really thinking about it a lot because it's like i think there's been a lot of tweets this effect but like you know biden talking about you know we're going to value human life we're going to take care of people but you know still obviously carrying out these awful the actions of the american empire in the middle east or keeping kids in cages and renaming building more cages and and i just like I can't get over it. And for me, my big thesis, and I don't know if this is the moment for it, but it's like, man, it's all about aesthetics. It's all about naming. It's all about, like, you're a bad guy because you act like X. Because you are too mean about it. But, like, even 60 years later, we can't treat the Vietnamese like they're people. Like, their deaths cannot matter as much as Americans. Because that is actually still too revolutionary. You can't even 60 years from now say that. And I think that's just, like, that really got me about just the fact that, like, that's still too much. Like, him reading, that actually says a lot. Like, him writing down the names of the Vietnamese who died 60 years ago is still a revolutionary act. Is, the maybe the most black-pilled thing I've ever thought of. I was like, oh, we still can't look at them as people. Because, like, it is a crime that 50,000 Americans-ish died in Vietnam. It is. Yeah, of most course. of them were drafted. But 20 or more times that... Vietnamese died in their own country and we can't even pretend like they're people or like that that's a crime and yeah and it's and it's the same thing with the you know contemporary wars on terror in, in Afghanistan and in Iraq yep. you own the only rep, um, representation of the cost of those wars is through American treasure and American lives the uh, 500,000 to a million estimated like who knows how many people in the Middle Eastern diaspora have yeah, been the, the fact that we displaced and even killed by get this thing. a yeah. number yeah. that would yeah. represent accurately the suffering and and uh, genocide that we have caused it's like, we're not even interested enough in measuring it fucking wild uh other things uh that i took issue with with this fucking movie uh (laughs) the whole idea there's a big conflict in this picture between the eddie redman character tom hayden and uh sasha baron cohen's character about like two british people yeah (laughs) think about that yeah Mm, (laughs) sus uh 
but about like should we be taking this seriously or not and you know Hayden's very much like you know these are serious charges we need to we need to be careful we need to show some respect we need to stop trying to turn this into a spectacle and they have this big debate on it and goes places and we'll get into that but I, it just again does such a disservice to the actual reality of this trial where all of them were on the same page that this was a show trial and they did much more wild shit than is portrayed in this like this is a this is a trial in which Allen Ginsberg was reciting sex poetry from the fucking stand nice. like there is just like uh absolutely wild like uh, I forget which singer came in and started like trying to answer her questions by singing her songs like like they knew <laughs> oh, that, that this was theater and they all treated it that way and to sort of like I understand you have to try to create conflict for something like this but there's already a big conflict in that you were being prosecuted by the fucking Nixon administration well, yeah. and I mean Ruben was prosecuted was brought before the uh, before this at the House of an American Activities Committee and would go in and just start doing his bits like he would go in front of Congress <laughs> Congress before this trial and just like go in and and like not even answer their questions. Yeah, he he was <laughs> he was hot couching hot couch guying it from the like committee. <laughs> like, Is this the place where we talk about cult cultural revolution versus revolution? Sure, oh, yeah, this, we can get into oh, it. Yeah, Griff, you had some <laughs> thoughts on this. I can't stop thinking about it because Sasha Baron Cohen and Eddie Redmayne are like. I, Sasha Baron Cohen's like, I need cultural revolution. And, and Eddie Redmayne's like, I need real revolution. And the whole time, I'm like, what do you mean, bruh? Yeah. Like, what are we talking yeah. about? Yeah, they, they never yeah. define the terms, but continue. No, no, no. Uh, Griff, go off. It, it sets like it sets up this fake conflict, like you said, between the uh, Hayden's uh, political revolution versus Rubin's, or uh, like Rubin and Hoffman's like cultural revolution. But yeah, yeah like, like you said, those terms are never defined. It's never connected to anything material um, mm. on either side. And it's and bo both of them are portrayed in incredibly neutered ways. Like the way it portrays Hoffman and Rubin's, uh, you know, cultural revolution is just the worst. Uh, like they don't even show anything that explicit, but it just it makes them out to sort of be like leftist sex pests. Because uh, they, yeah. they, they, yes! they do this scene where they're trying to get permits and they're like, yeah, we're going to be we're going to be fucking in public, basically. And yep. it's just like, no, it like it like like the I, I like like obviously I wasn't there. I don't know how this was actually portrayed, but in at least in my mind, the sort of. The, the, the impetus behind the free love movement and the, the uh, loosening of sexual mores was not about like creepy men wanting to watch people fuck. Like obviously there's a lot of bad stuff that, you know, probably happened sure. because of that, you know, like there, 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 there weren't, they, everyone wasn't a, a good actor in that space, but it was a much more like holistic v vision for one's life than like, than like, yeah, we just, we just want to get everyone together and, and, you know, you know, fuck. And that's, that's cool. You know, and it's, it, it was a lot deeper than that and i and i guess yeah. it felt like it it, it, oh, cheapened it the yeah yeah you it was, it was oh yeah okay all right you go there uh but yeah um, <laughs> speaking of leftist sex pests oh jesus <laughs> um but um <laughs> but uh yeah so it it, it it cheapened what they were trying to go for on the cultural front on on in that sense and then on the, the in the political revolution sense uh hayden's idea of political revolution is basically just like working within the democratic party 
It's electoralism. <laughs> That's all it yeah. is. Because yeah. you, know, you know what? We were both wrong, actually, Grift. They do talk about one material thing. They talk about elections. They're like, we have to. <laughs> yeah. We, You want freedom. You want better education. You want elimination of poverty. You guys give them elections. And neither of them disagree with that as the way forward. Yeah. And then yeah. they turn to the camera and they say, vote blue, no matter who. <laughs> <laughs> we do it. And, of course, later he's like, what's a peaceful revolution? We do it every four years in this country. And that's why oh I killed my myself. God. Because I couldn't yeah, deal with it. That fucking line. But then, but then also, like, like you said, uh, the the final title card of like the the yeah. end the end montage was uh, Tom Hayden was elected to the uh, you know uh, California House in 1982, and he was reelected six times. And that is seen as like that's the thing they choose to end on. That is the defining victory. That one of the, that the person who was pre- preaching a completely nebulous idea of completely nebulous and undefined idea oh, yeah. of like political revolution you know he was he was elected to a state legislature it's 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 not said where whether he made any actual real material change with that role but it matters because he was reelected six times and you know he he knew what he was doing he did also marry jane fonda so i just have to say revolution works fucking nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Res- respect the game <laughs> <laughs> I, I respect say, the grift like, it's so funny because this is, a, this, this is the thing i've said before the whole thing is about aesthetics and that like they are they are actually you know arguing for good elections not these bad elections but this movie doesn't even care about their aesthetics. Like, Ruben, when he was appearing before HUAC, came in dressed in front of Congress as a Viet Cong in pajamas and bare-chested with war paint and carrying a toy N16. Like, they can't <laughs> even get the aesthetics right. Yeah. Why can't and we see shit like that? that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it would be so much better if it, if it actually had the balls to really go for those those depictions. But the Vietnamese can't be people, bro. Yeah, well, they can't be acknowledged in the picture, so they can't <laughs> yeah. even have them that's, do that. Oh, that's, oh, that's very true. Fuck. It yeah. a lot of stuff about the revolutionaries, people protesting against the war in Vietnam. They were very pro-Viet Cong. They talked a lot about the people that were dying. They talked a lot about Ho Chi Minh. They talked a lot about the revolution. And to completely neuter that, it's not just like ahistorical. It's odd. Well, it, it all goes back to like the libification of protest movements, which is an interesting conversation to be having in 2021. <laughs> yeah. After yeah. after some of the largest scale protests that we've seen in modern American history. But it, it this... Aaron Sorkin can't envision an ideology outside of his own, so there's just no way that he mm. could ever understand what the Chicago 7 were really about, up to the point where when Spielberg initially picks, pitched him on this picture, he didn't know what he was talking about. So like oh, Spielberg's yeah. like, oh man, I want to do a movie on the Chicago 7. And Sorkin's like saying this is like a cutesy anecdote, being like, oh yeah, great idea, let's totally do it. And then he went home and Googled the Chicago 7. And Aaron Sorkin was oh. alive when this happened. Yes, this was a oh. national months-long spectacle that Aaron Sorkin couldn't be bothered to keep in his fucking head. And I think that really speaks to like his level of competence when encountering these issues uh really uh truly special stuff so uh before we move fully into like ideology because i do think there's some more things to say and connect that to you know things that are happening in the world today uh let's talk a little bit more about richard schultz the principled republican uh Uh, prosecutor uh because man uh i have never wanted to punch uh fuck what's his joseph gordon levitt in the Gordon-Levitt, face yeah. more and i remember when he made that youtube thing so <laughs> <laughs> so that is saying something Le- spe- uh, less less creepy james franco i think we all agree he, he okay he is the less problematic franco <laughs> 
Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it is wild to me. He he goes in immediately. The the one of the opening scenes is him being called into the office of the attorney general and being told like you're going to prosecute these men. Uh, and he's immediately like, but the police started the riots. Like the Republican prosecutor is like already being like, yeah, but it it's wrong though. <laughs> um, but I'll do it. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't matter. You know, this is a great opportunity my, for, for my career, which he's reminded. And he's, he's, he's reminded of that by, you know, you know to, to say, like, this is too good for you to refuse. And, and he doesn't. And he does it. And then at the end, he gets his redemptive moment because while the names of the American dead are being read aloud, he too stands alongside the Black Panthers and the other protesters and everyone else in the room because he too understands that, like, we all got to come together for the troops, man. Black Panthers, huge fan of the troops. (laughs) (laughs) It is fucking wild. And in actuality, just so that the record is clear, uh, this was a guy that when uh, uh, Allen Ginsberg was testing testifying specifically made all of his questions about Ginsburg's sexuality because he knew that if the jury knew that a gay man was testifying they would discredit his testimony so he like gay baited Ginsburg super hard he was absolutely vicious there was none of this being concerned about like the health of Bobby Seale or what was being done to him like the guy was an evil vicious shark and it blows my mind that like uh, that that Sorkin doesn't even respect the realities of his own characters enough to like put them up against the things they were actually up against, including Frank, Frank Langella's character, the judge, who was portrayed as vicious at turns but often incompetent, and in reality was not an incompetent, bumbling judge. He he was a little hard of hearing, but he was a vicious asshole that knew exactly what he was doing at every turn. I mean, this goes back. I mean, and Grift, I'm sure you can speak to this to like. Sorkin is so obsessed with Republicans. He definitely has this, like, daddy complex where he just, he's a Democrat, but he just wants the Republicans to like him, to agree that he's right, you know, with the sort of Southern chick who is on West Wing, who is the principal Republican who comes to work in Bartlett's White House. <laughs> to, to, to uh, you know, of course, to uh, the newsroom. Like, he's just, he wants it so bad. <laughs> Yeah, like I, th- I think he he wants it so bad because at, like he implicitly understands that it's they are the other component of the one party state, and you mm-hmm. need to have them be in harmony for the one party state to function as it should. Because all of all of this legislative gridlock and whatnot, it could ju- it could be solved if the, the the two the two parties controlled by capital just got in a back room and hashed out their differences and 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 you know acted like they used to back when things worked. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Back when everything was going great. No, his whole political ideology is Pelosi being like, we need a strong Republican Party. Yeah, exactly. That's why this oh movie is exactly. actually relevant today. It's because Joe Biden hopes his Republican friends were going to convict donald trump (laughs) he said that like he really he talks about his republican friends all the time sorkin brain is in the white house Uh, degenerative brain disease yeah there we go thank you yeah well i I think i think this this case has been advanced on other podcasts obviously but the people who were in the obama administration and are now staffing the biden administration they grew up on the west wing they grew up on sorkin this worldview has been completely sublimated into their you know in in their their inner their inner being and they were they were play acting that when they actually had those uh, positions of power and 100 and you're right also to point out it's all the same people every Everything old is new again. We are living in 2008. Bring on the indie music. 
Yeah. There was some good music, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Arcade Fire, where are you at? What's going on? I'm really looking forward to that of Montreal cut. I really need more organ in my life, so I'm happy that we're here. I just I just I, want Kanye to, to get back to that era of music again. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, Kim broke up with him. I'm hoping for, for a revival from Kanye. Kanye, right? don't let me down. <laughs> right? Like, like if Amber Rose gave us, my, gave us my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, what could Kim give us? Oh, my God. Don't get my hopes up. Don't do it. it. Guys, it's just going to be Kanye claiming to be Q. It's not going to be anything good. <laughs> Kanye is Q. That's fine. I just need a good album. Oh, my God. Yeah. If, if, if Kanye put, put Q aesthetics on his next uh, thing, I, I, you know, honestly, the more I think about it, that that really checks out. Like the, the, the religious oh, yeah. stuff, uh, you know, his you know, sort of um, uh, galaxy brain conspiracy minded things. I, I, think, I think it's a natural fit. Where Kanye goes one, we go all. <laughs> low-key fucked up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's let's talk more about, like, the ideology of this movie and maybe try to, like, you know, it's, it's fascinating that this movie came out in 2020. It should have been uh, a movie that could have spoken powerfully to the protests that were happening at that time and it's such a whiff it's such a shame i mean it's always the hollywood thing right you can only encounter a thing by going 40 yeah. years in the past to even deal with it so so grift i feel like you had some like you felt like this was speaking to you in 2021 so you had the the incredible summer of protest uh last year with the with mm-hmm. black lives matter george floyd yep. stuff and the, this movie was obviously greenlit in response to that, like this, 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 uh, or or it, it I, I think it had been in production hell for a while, and that that may have been the, the impetus to, to get it. Yeah, it's really definitely rolling. the thing that got it to the finish line. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you know, with the, the quarantine, the the uh, streaming service distribution, it was it was just the perfect series of dominoes to get this thing actually out into the public. But then the um, the capital insurrection happened uh and Mm -hmm. it's just it's just sort of funny like particularly looking back at our last episode we did it was sort of in that liminal space between when biden won the election and before the insurrection happened um so it's just like you know we're you know we're talking about q as a cultural force we're talking about you know the the radicalization of the right and the conspiracies and how that is basically like a response to the suffocating orthodoxy of uh neoliberal uh culture right now and um and yeah, so it's so it's like sort of reinterpreting this movie through the lens of the fact that you just had a huge right wing protest and now all of the liberals in government are doing show trials. They're doing impeachments. They're doing yep. uh, they're 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 making public spectacle against protest against uh, insurrection. Uh, so the trial it, of the Alabama Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the 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 trial of the MAGA Thirteen. <laughs> 60, um, the trial of the MAGA Sixty Nine. Come on, guys, yeah. it was right there. Oh, yeah. I'm the sex pest. <laughs> <laughs> 69 um, is a mutual aid of positions. <laughs> oh, God. Now you get into, into Merrick DeVille territory, sexual mutual aid. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down right now. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting too online. Okay, yeah. back to... Back to uh, yeah, back continue. To this is a great here. point. Continue. Yeah, yeah. But so, so basically all of the elements of like the liberal state now are aligned against uh, the, the sort of right-wing extremism, um, but also just... 
I feel like that is being transferred over to being opposed to any sort of public protest. Um, yeah. You know, they're 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 obviously going to use this situation to maybe pass more uh, domestic surveillance laws, and definitely, uh, you, you know, when if the FBI ramps up their um, or, or the, the you know FBI and you know the the intelligence services or whatever if they ramp up their uh, their crackdown on you know right wing extremists that is inevitably going to lead to a similar crackdown on people they would consider left wing extremists um, so it's just sort of interesting the the way this movie has a very like on, like sort of rosy but also neutered view of the sort of um, cultural protest that nowadays. The, 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 the people who are doing a cultural protest against the government are on the right wing. It's, it's sort mm-hmm. of weird when yeah. the, the, the people in power, like the Biden administration, they're just, if, if, we're, if we're taking for granted the concept that it's a one-party state, they are, you know, you know they're, they're on the liberal side of that, but they are in this sort of um, uh, entrenched uh, right-wing government that has been in place since basically the late 60s. Um, yeah. But now, but now they can cloak themselves in the wokeness and sort of uh, uh, cultural affects. That is the defining legacy of the new '60s uh, cultural revolution movement that, totally. that they talk about in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tragic, tragically, because they were trying to do some other things, but that's what we got in the end. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it bears repeating that uh, you know the the sort of liberal fomenting the the going for blood uh, both is absolutely just going to result in the next Patriot Act that is going to come back and bite all of us in the ass. There's no way that this doesn't just expand federal power against anyone that they don't like. And to be clear, these, you know, right-wing assholes are fucking assholles. They're, they're riding yeah, for obviously. terrible pe- reasons. Uh, but they, it's also ignoring all the ways in which, as you said, our one-party state, our, our neoliberal hellscape has created the conditions that lead to the rise of this right-wing extremism. That you can't get a world that allows this to flourish so successfully successfully without decades of tearing down institutions that can care for people where people are disaffected and and like listen like racists always existed like i'm not saying that if if neoliberals had done better healthcare, we wouldn't have racism uh, but there's a lot of that goes into the creation of something like a q movement and a lot of reactionary politics being so successful and we find at least historically speaking that these things rise and succeed and flourish in places where the government has failed to meet material needs for a long long time yeah and and, and sort of like even further to sort of like the government point you know like there's a reason why merrick garland who's a piece of shit in his own right they're trying to push him so hard for attorney general and why he says his priority number one is going to be the riot like why is your priority number one not like black lives matter why is your priority number one not drug reform why is your priority number one not like whatever's happening on the border like these things are all in your purview but there's a point there's a reason why they keep returning to this because they are able to use the riot the same way they're using the riot 68 like Griffiths is saying to reaffirm the one-party state, to reaffirm the hegemon, to reaffirm capital. They actually, they would love Republicans to to, to get rid of Trump, or it used to be to, to convict Trump. But, like, really all they need are those, like, 10, 6, however many fucking voted against him to be enough to be the supermajority to run the central one-party state. And that's all that matters, is this refeeds into... The state's going to crush all dissent, have a bunch of show trials about how this is bad because, and kind of what I want to get to, is this is all about aesthetics. The movie and our current government, that's why they're the same. It's all about, like, Biden is this doing all the same things as Trump, right? He hasn't given us any money. He is continuing to deport people. He's continuing to put kids in cages. He is hawkish overseas. He is continuing to uh, 
drone people, right? Like, Biden is really not that different than Trump in any material way. Excuse me, Sweaty. We rejoined the Paris Climate Accord. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I'm sorry. Whole take canceled. And so the whole thing, but the whole thing is Sorkin undoubtedly, and this movie loves him because all that matters ultimately is the one-party state is run by kind, principled, smart people. Like, and that's why they fight so hard for Nero Tandon and not $15 minimum wage. It's the yeah. same shit. It's cul- it's their version of cultural revolution. Um, it's, it's it's interesting that you brought up uh, Merrick Garland there in particular. Um, I, I've been I've been doing this thing lately where I listen to to NPR on my fifteen minute drive no. to work. Justin, okay, okay, Griff, this just self harm. Just <laughs> Griff, I'm just reporting to, you. Yeah, just to like sort of take the pulse of where the liberal media is at, what narratives are being pushed first and foremost. It's a little bit of sacrifice that honestly has been sort of paying off because I can sort of get a get a sense of like where their heads at, what the enemy's thinking, you know, what narratives are being pushed, but. <laughs> What so cost? they were. They were. Uh, I mean, it's 15 minutes of my time. I, I listen to independent online media the rest of the day. It's you know, like, it's a, it's a, it's a you know service I'm I'm, I'm willing to make for. You don't uh, get you much know, work done, but boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, but uh, so so yeah, they when when they were reporting on Merrick Garland being um, you know going through the confirmation process for attorney general, they they did they they led with that um. They they, they they led with that assertion that his um, that his number one priority was going to be um, finding out what happened with the capital riots and then you know responding mm-hmm. to that. Um, but also, literally, the next quote from him right after that was, um, "We're we're we're um, um, I'm I'm going to bring us you know a spirit of of nonpartisanship that I think we didn't see in this role from my predecessor. Dang, um, dang, so dang. We're, this is so you know we're we're not we're not playing for any team here. I'm not on the Democrat side. I'm not on the Republican side. This is you know uh, you, you know it, you didn't use this language, but you know fair and balanced uh, nonpartisan <laughs> stuff. But when what their what his party is doing and using as an excuse to to crack down on civil liberties eventually is you know, you know, targeted partisanship against Republicans. So it was that it, it, it was that double speak where he's like, OK, I'm I'm going to be pursuing this in, insurrection by Republicans um, and, and the, by by right wing Republican extremists as my number one priority. But no, my my role isn't political at all. I am I am outside mm-hmm. of that. I am not involved at all. So that was oh, like. Yeah, so that would, like, just when you brought up Merrick Garland, I had to, in, like, you know, put in that anecdote, because I, I just, yeah, I just thought it was really telling. Forever. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's a great, it's a great point, and I, I think, like, we're gonna keep seeing this focus on the Capitol riots, because it's the only way that Democrats can make the right wing the bad guys, because otherwise <laughs> they're the same. They have to make, they have to keep pointing at this, because otherwise we might notice how all of these policies are exactly the same. And so you saw the Democratic Convention, their first ads out the gate is, is trying to make the GOP the party of Q. That's literally their branding campaign is trying to turn Republicans into the party of Q because they know like, okay, this was bad. Everyone knows this was bad. Let's have everyone just focus on that. So no one's going to pay any attention to all of the terrible things that we are just going to keep on doing business as usual. I I cannot, I cannot think of a single better way to lead to more Q people in the house oh, yes. than to run an opposition campaign. Your main thing saying uh, Republicans are the party of Q now and they're bad and evil and you should vote for us instead. When, when obviously we, we live in, 
we live under a government that does not care about its people, that does not care yes. about the well-being of its of its material people. And but the American population, we, we I mean, we discussed this a lot the last episode. They aren't given the tools to di- to to dissect why that is. You know, m- most most of the people aren't don't understand global capital and the the you know two party duopoly and all that stuff. So the easy explanation for them that is readily presented then by friendly people on the internet who just want to get them involved in saving the children is Q is conspiracy theories is these cultural movements that push back against the uh, liberal cultural, you know, hegemony and orthodoxy. And, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, conservatism is the new punk rock, you know, like ridiculous trope that they, they used to pull out or, you know, conservatism is actual counterculture. It may not have rung true in, in, you know, the aughts or something, because that's when, you know, the, the Bush administration found, fascism was in full effect and, and it wasn't counterculture at all. It was very mainstream. But now when you have this sort of like liberal hegemony over everything, it does take on countercultural angles. <laughs> like, and, yeah. and, and, and yeah. Don't make Q cool. Q is lame. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. Don't, Q sucks. There's so much, so many more better and more interesting conspiracy theories, but you're totally right. It's the thing all three of us have talked about a lot online and on this podcast. That energy has to go somewhere. And it's very Marxist. Like, the contradictions in the system are becoming more and more obvious. So they mm-hmm. have to point to the riots. But people aren't going to buy that because they're doing the same thing. But you're right. They're not given the tools because we're so fucking, we're so indoctrinated in this society. So it has to spill out into things like Q. And I'm going to tell you right fucking now. This is a prediction. By 2022 or 2024 at the latest, there's going to be another thing, a version of Q, another conspiracy theory running across the right that will probably be a, metastas- a further metastasized oh, yeah. version. Well, it's yeah, and yeah. it's already happening because Trump lost, because the the original Q, the original vision of Q, this, uh, this reckoning has not come to pass. But already we're seeing these things are not slowing down. No. They're just metastasizing. They're going different directions. And yes, we all got two days of glorious cope as certain members of the, of the Q world got to like be like wait it's not happening (laughs) and that that was delightful but these people aren't going anywhere and and i think we're all you know we're all right to point out that like the the failures of our institutions the failures of our state the horrible capitalist hellscape we live in is undeniably terrible and people need an explanation for why it is and let me tell you q offers a really nice neat package for why everything in your life fucking sucks and q plus is going to be even more yeah yeah. let me tell you when that shit comes down the pipe when we get out of beta (laughs) yeah just like like pizzagate like metastasized into q q is going to metastasize into something else just like you saw that with the with the viral thing on tiktok with the with the Wayfair thing yeah. that that you know was Q adjacent but it went fucking viral and all the normies were talking about it and honestly like from what I'm seeing on on, on TikTok my my, my uh, girlfriend's more on TikTok than I am so like I've been sort of exposed to this space a little more recently and like the <laughs> there are a lot of cats call out it is, this is a call out <laughs> it is no 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 but like no it's, it's really interesting because it's like the, it is the perfect platform for spreading conspiracy stuff um, the, the, the ability to edit videos in really creative ways and to use humor and to have this sort of like young influencer Gen Z base of people to spread these things. I mean, they're the, 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 like the viral uh, TikTok thing coming out of the, the, the Texas storm was that snow is a deep fake conspiracy because when you hold a candle to it, it doesn't immediately melt. It like, burns. The snow is burning. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the snow isn't real. The snow the snow is a deep fake plot to uh but that's where to, we've to cripple Texas's energy. Snow grid. isn't yeah. real. We're snow pills. Yeah. 
Like, that's insane. You can walk outside, and there's six feet of the stuff in fucking San Angelo, Texas, and you're like, no, this is a deep state plot. Okay, but if you zoom in, you can see the Soros branding on the place. (laughs) But, like, that... That is what I'm talking about. That is the progression of Cuba. That, like, where do you... How do you even come back from that? Snow's not real, bro. And then, and then liberals will just point to, oh, you just need, you just need to educate people. You need to, you just need to do, do better at, at education. It's no, just it's, vote, bro. Just vote. Just, just, just learn. Just, just read. Like you know, it's. But obviously, the solutions are so much far deeper than that. And honestly, it's, it's tough to see, like you said, how we come out of this and how, and or are we just locked in this, in this death spiral of, um, of, of just insane misinformation that honestly it is kind of fun to play in like we're all on twitter we're all spreading around you know narratives and stuff and oftentimes bush did 9-11 yes yeah yeah correct yeah uh alex jones was a fin domed by by a communist named amber that that, that is very real that actually happened Uh, i actually missed that one i that's that rule so hard amber frost of choppa was fin domed (laughs) good for her good for her respect and grift Oh, but yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, that Alex Jones thing was just a particular, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say whether it, it was real or it was not, but that was, it was, it was deliberately disseminated by, uh, several people in my, my, my circles as, as a bit and, uh, it, and it, and it took off and, you know, it made it to Reddit and 4chan and stuff. And, you know, they were, they were talking about it being like a dem psyop. So it, it is in this fucking hellscape, uh, and, and, uh, where a lot of people have tough, have a tough job finding meeting in the real world from the alienation and, and isolation of particularly COVID lives, you know, on online is that is, is, is the way to, to get your vicarious kicks through, you know, spreading, uh, spreading, uh, you know, whatever narrative happens to be, to be fun. And, and whether it's true or not, you know, if it has some small explanatory value over like how your material conditions are shitty, people are going to latch onto that. Yeah. I feel like this is actually a good place what because this movie this one of my big takeaways this this movie is not immune from that obviously this movie is some fake news ass bullshit this is some lying netflix times ass (laughs) nonsense and like it kind of made me you know you're talking about like snow doesn't burn and it's like well actually aaron sorkin's just doing that too yeah like we have historical records of how this actually was bobby seal is fucking alive there are people who were there and there are transcripts and he's still you're throwing shit out you're getting deleting the vietnamese people you are like actually approaching people who are at the time actual leftists and completely telling a disinformation uh using telling a story using disinformation for your own ideological ends in the service of one of the biggest companies in entertainment and i just like that got that's what got me the most black pilled if we're going to talk about this is because it's like you can't even these people who are in front of the entire country so much of the story is like about abby hoffman wanting to be in front of the camera so they could tell their own story and here we are in front of cameras 60 years later or 50 years later and you can't even tell your story like like it's in the we can look it up but more people will see this movie than will know what actually happened and this is what's actually going to get disseminated and it made me like really bummed out like you don't even get to control your own story like eventually the fake news wins eventually we all become the lib eventually the the villain you know we all Mm -hmm. become part of capital and i just 
Manic really got me down. It's like 40 years from now, we're going to get the Chapo Trap House story about how actually they were really about saving Wall Street. Like, you yeah, know, like, how they, oh they worked God. undercover for the Biden administration. <laughs> too. Like, yeah, we're going to get like, oh, oh, like the story of how they like cops. You know, like I'm kind of not joking. Like, yeah. I, I think you actually could like take that New Yorker article from 2016 and make it about how like uh, they they like fucked up with Hillary. And then in 2020, they did whatever for 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 Biden. Like you could tell you could do that and it would be as accurate as this fucking movie. And disinformation's fucking everything. Shitty Christian's buddy cop film with Joel Osteen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean as long as Sasha Baron Cohen plays you and Jeremy Strong plays me. And I don't know. It just kinda like got me down. I was like, man, there's really there's really no fighting this. It's 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 fake news all the way down. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point about how the um the sort of liberal cultural industry that is on full display with this movie is it it, it, it is the highest form of fake news. Like yep. because yeah. so 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 many people so many people, you know, particularly growing up when you don't have a full perspective on the world, you interpret and the things you haven't seen, events you weren't around for, places you haven't been to, you mm-hmm. interpret it through the media you consume, mainly movies and TV shows. So for a lot of people, it is reality, and it is what actually happened to them. And nothing can tell you any different. And when you deli- spread out, you know, put things out there like this movie, which has a deliberate narrative and a and deliberate um, you know, pr- perspective that is just serves as another um, vehicle for legitimizing the you know uh, neoliberal capitalist state. It it, it has in- incredibly damaging effects to ever ever changing that within within the heads of all the people whose whose minds have to be changed. We've never encountered that Trump was right when he talked about the the, the lion the lion news media the lion mm-hmm. New York Times. We've never. We, we got through his presidency, elected Joe Biden, and refused to encounter that truth. Refused to ever really look at a New York Times headline about South America. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's yeah, psyop, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Trump Trump was right. The fake, like, fake yep. news media. He, like, like props like props to him for that one. He, he fucking nailed it. You do, in fact, have to give it to him. <laughs> Wait, that will yeah. never come back to haunt me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I uh, as we get towards sort of like closing thoughts, I think the thing that uh, got me real blackpilled <laughs> as we neared the end of this movie was just like, you know, you see this like historical event, this massive protest uh, that tried to, to bring about the end of Vietnam. And uh, spoiler alert, it didn't. <laughs> A lot more people went on to die. And and we have been through another massive uh, protest event to try to end police brutality. And what small, you know, uh, concessions we got, even, you know, there was that town in, I believe, Oregon that said, hey, we're disbanding the police. And then two months later voted to increase their funding. Of course. Uh, because, because, of course, that's how it goes. And, and we're living in the middle of a pandemic where 500,000 people are dead in our own country as we, you know, just experienced a massive climate crisis where people are getting charged tens of thousands of dollars in electrical bills if they even had power because texas is this amazing you know haha free market free market electricity this will never come back to bite anyone in the ass and it's just like man like and we're not in the streets how are we not fucking burning shit down we're not in the streets and 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 maybe even darker even even when we are things don't change and uh, i think it it I say that in no way to dismiss people who put their health, lives, and safety on the line to get out in the streets, uh, you know, deal with asshole cops, stand up and and make, you know, demands repeatedly. I think that is a beautiful thing and a very important part of a protest movement. And honestly, one of the few bright spots 
of the last year has been seeing people being so willing to like go into the streets and do that. But like but, Michael Wilson said, no easy victories. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think that's where I'm at. It's just like, okay, but like, how do we fucking do this? And, and there are answers to those questions. And, uh, some of them should not be discussed on a podcast <laughs> forum. Uh, but, but, uh, it is, it is really dark, the space that we're in. And like these battles have been fought for a long time. And, uh, man, if you really want to stay away from the black pill, do not Google, who these men turned into because oh, many God. of them after they were these left-wing revolutionaries uh, went on to do other terrible things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ruben literally became a stockbroker in the eighties. Fucking venture <laughs> capitalist. Early, early investor in Apple. Yep. Jesus Millionaire Christ. who would then go have debates with, uh, with, uh, Hoffman. with Hoffman about how we need more capital injection into things. So, and then oftentimes the response by the exact sort of like liberal that Aaron Sorkin is the response to seeing, uh, um, uh, poor and, and, um, underhoused and, and under, you know, just, just people who already have material problems in Texas who are the most affected by uh, the, the, these natural disasters uh, that are obviously there's all the climate change and stuff, great greater systems, but their response to them is not to have solidarity with their, with their fellow Americans. Like, you know, even, even their, their uh, neutered characters in this movie do, they have solidarity with the soldiers that they may, may not, you know, agree mm-hmm. with them going over to kill people. But in, in this current context, they're, um, their knee-jerk reaction is to use like genocidal language against people in red states, being like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. The, you know, they they don't have electricity, they don't have running water, their 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 homes are pipes are bursting and and they're fr- freezing to death. Uh, fuck them. They're in a red state. They voted for Trump. They deserve it." And yeah. as if the majority of the black population doesn't live in the South. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Yeah. It's 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 fucking ridiculous. And it's and it it and, and again the the way our system. The, the the way our the, our culture war are that 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 you know mm-hmm. that that is a product of the cultural revolution you know quote unquote yeah. that that's started during this time one of the byproducts is this system where everybody fights over these fake conflicts and when really the the, the true villain the true power behind the curtain is the one party state you know of of, uh, of of global capital but you're kept from actually realizing that it's there, that it's the villain, because you're just taught to hate the person who wears the other colored hat. Yep. Yep. Uh, and listen, that person might be an asshole, but that asshole needs food, uh, medicine, and uh, a lot of other things. Like, fuck. Uh, to, I really am looking forward to the Dems 2022 slogan, uh, vote blue or we'll laugh when you die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It would not surprise. Nothing would surprise me at this point. Uh, Before we get out of here, we did want to welcome our new sponsor, Netflix. They have a lot of great programming that you could check out, including uh, Aaron Sorkin's seminal film, uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7. If if we've done anything, if I hope we've accomplished anything tonight, it's to whet your appetite for a bit of courtroom joy and drama. Mm. Uh, But before we actually get out of here, Grift, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do when you're grifting on the internet? Uh, so yeah, the main website, uh, if you listen to the last episode, you're probably aware, um, is a uh, grift.shop. Uh, I sell sort of political and online themed merchandise. Uh, I've been, I've been trying this new concept lately with, with, with like a pop-up shop where I do limited, uh, runs of stuff. Mm. Like I, I did a collab with a podcast. I did, um, I did like a little collection for Rush Limbaugh's death. So yeah, that was, so that was yeah. we got to take a moment <laughs> oh, to just say, dude. fuck yeah. That was one of my favorite things. Uh, Griff, oh, if you could you. just describe that for our listeners, it was such a thing of beauty. 
Uh, so I, I just I just took a picture of uh, of blackened lungs and put it behind some repeating rush text. <laughs> oh so, man. Uh, I- what a real one. I, it's a shame we couldn't have a little civility in this moment, but it's still pretty funny. <laughs> I hear you also have a new uh, audio project. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So um, it's it's called um, Garbage In, Garbage Out. Uh, it, and I got invited by uh, Kelton of Dolphin Garage fame to, nice. be, to, co- to co-host the return of the show. Um, you can find it at uh, Gigo Podcast, G-I-G-O Podcast. Um, and basically we're just looking at uh, terrible trash cultural uh, uh, products of this current era, and uh, you know, just basically, it's a shit post in audio form. We just, it's a, you know, we just sort of been been riffing the whole time, and the first episode came out great. So, really, really looking forward to see where it goes. Um, I think we're going to start off monthly at first. We may, we may uh, in- increase the. Um, increase the frequency of episodes as it gets geared up but um yeah i'm looking forward to seeing where that goes yeah are definitely are uh you guys should check that out uh and there uh there might be a something down the pike coming from uh griff shop and shitty christians you know some sort of yeah we've got something cooking for for y'all we're excited to to bring out maybe some point this spring i will warn you guys though i'm a terrible cook so don't get too excited (laughs) fortunately i think we're we're putting grift in the kitchen for this one (laughs) yes yes i i am locked in the grift shop um but i am i am excited about this merch collab we got planned um it is definitely an ambitious concept and i'm gonna be spending a lot of time and uh, you know, I, I imagine I'll, 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 I'm always learning how to use the design tool. So I imagine I'll learn some stuff along the way too. I'm excited to see where it goes. <laughs> uh, listeners, when Griff says ambitious, just interpret heretical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <right>. Blasphemous. With <laughs> yeah. that, with that, uh, Griff, what's your handle? Where can people find you? Uh, I am at Griff Shop on Twitter. Uh, the O is a zero, and uh, the website is grift.shop. Perfection. My name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor. My name is Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. And follow the pod at shitty underscore pod or send us an email at shittychristians.com. Guys, if I can ask you to do two things before we get out of here, it's dismantle capitalism from the ground up, try to burn some of that fake snow, and rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks so much. (laughs) 